picking up at verse number 12. The scripture says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing uh, I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press, somebody shall press. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join me in imitating. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with even tears in my eyes, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things but our citizenship our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself for a moment, I want to teach from the subject matter. Fix your focus. Fix your focus. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we ask that you would fall fresh. We ask that you would utilize moments like this, God, to not only change something, God, but transform everything. We ask, God, that in our time together, you would speak to us. You would heal what needs to be healed, deliver what needs to be delivered, set free whoever needs to be set free. And God, when we leave this moment in time, allow it to mark us for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that's in agreement at Union Church, let me give God some real good praise right here. Amen and amen. You can take your seats in the name of Jesus. Some time ago, me and my wife, who were in London, and, you know, everybody was telling us what to do. You, you ever go to those places and everyone becomes an expert at the place that you go into. And so we had a list of things that everyone told us to do. Uh, and, and one of the things that was not on the list was to uh, go to one particular royal palace. And we happened to uh, know some people there and they got us access. And so we're walking through this royal palace and, and uh, I am who I am no matter where I go. Can I get a good amen on that? And so I'm walking through this royal palace and my black hind is where I'm not supposed to be. And as I'm walking, I hear this old voice giving instruction. And this old British accent is giving details to something uh, that everyone else in the palace is not privy to. And so I hear this old voice behind this curtain. So me 
being the curious person that I am, I peek behind the curtain and I see this older lady talking to another couple. And as I peek behind the curtain, I, 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 I take notice that I have now entered into another side of the palace that's been shut off to the rest of the public. And it's pictures all on the wall. And, and so I make myself at home <laughs> in the palace. And as she's talking, I take a seat. Because when wisdom speaks, you listen. <laughs> she knew things about where I was that I did not know. And what she said gave access to something else. So she's speaking and I'm listening and, and she's talking about the royal pictures that are on the wall. And as she's talking, she's pointing at different pictures and she, she has her camera and on this little camera she has, she's beginning to talk about the focal point and how in the royal family, uh, the queen dictates and determines at the time what pictures make it to the public based upon its focal point. What pictures, uh, what she defines as successful based upon the focus of the shot. And if the photographer had the wrong focus, no one saw his work. If the photographer had the wrong focus, no one saw what he saw. If the photographer had the wrong focus, what he put hard work and dedication into, it could have been two or three days he was on this photo shoot. If he had the wrong focus or if she did not like what he had focused on, no one would have seen what he saw through the lens. And it, it got me to the place where I started asking questions. So, so you mean to tell me that the, the royal family will commission a photographer and the pictures that they commission may never get seen? She says 85% of the pictures photographers take never get seen. I, I said 85%. She said, yes, 85% because uh, the royal family is meticulous about their image. And, and I start to think to myself, you mean to tell me the focus of something determines the success of something. The, the, the focus of something determines the outcome of something. And, and, and I was reminded of this particular scripture when I was there because Paul's focus is heavenly minded. And what I believe Paul is saying here is I live in heaven. I just work here on earth. I, I am a resident. I am a citizen of heaven. I, I'm just visiting here on earth. And I, I don't want you all to get it twisted. We, we are here for an assignment. But, but, but I believe what he's saying is I, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. And when his, his focus is set on heavenly things, it doesn't matter what's happening around him because his focus is so concentrated on what God is doing in him that it does not matter what's going on around him. And if you are going to be successful in this life, you have to fix your focus. 
Then do you know the only reason we fall short of achieving the things that God desires for us to achieve, the only reason we stumble, the only reason we fall, the only reason we sin is because of broken focus. Because of broken focus. I'm a firm believer whenever the enemy wants to kill your dream, the only thing he has to do is tempt you with a dream that's far less than the one you're focused on right now. That, that, that's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I have no wants. Because when our focus is broken, we actually get what we want. When our focus is broken, we get what we want. God never promises to give us what we want. He promised to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. So I believe that if we get what we want, we void the opportunity to get what we need. Hey, hear me, family. Hear me, family. Hear, hear me, hear me. If we are not focused distractions begin to look like opportunities. And you'll start saying things like, I don't know if it's God, but it's good. I don't know if, 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 if she's the right one that God has picked for me, but she sure does look good. I don't know if, if he aligns with everything I know God wants for me, but he looks good and will settle for good instead of going after God. Because of broken focus. And if we're not careful, we get something called focus fatigue. You know what focus fatigue is? Focus is when you strain your eyes so much that what you thought you were looking at becomes obscured. And fatigue will make average look abnormal. Fatigue has a way of taking something that is ordinary and making it look extraordinary. Fatigue has a way of changing your goals, doesn't it? You don't believe me? Some of y'all started off this year January. New year, new me. <laughs> this year, this year, 2023, I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. Come on, how many of you was there? Come on, be honest, be honest, be honest, be honest. Don't lie in church now. Don't lie, don't lie. You were there. January 1. Started off strong. Two days in, you're like, I got this. If I can make it 21 days, I've created a habit. On the third day. Your body start talking to you in third person. You ever been running and you're like, I'm going to run for 30 minutes, five minutes in, your body like, we going to pass out. We ain't going to make it, bro. What are we doing? But your mind has a way of telling your body what it's going to do. No, we not going to pass out. We, we not going to embarrass ourselves up in here. There are people watching, and we are not going to get carried out on a stretcher up in this gym. Your mind has a way 
of telling your body what it is not going to do. When you put focus into place, your spirit tells your flesh what it will and what it will not do. So scripture tells us in Philippians, take ye this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And oftentimes when we read that, we think it's a scripture based solely on the mind of Christ, which it is, but it's also a scripture that is based off of focus. And this is why I say that our natural eyes see pictures and images upside down, but our mind flips those images right side up. How many of you knew that? Let's go to science class a little bit. So when you look at an image, without the processing of your mind, the image is always upside down. The focal point is off. The image is upside down. It's the same thing in this life. Whenever we don't apply the mind of Christ to something, something always looks skewed and upside down. But when we apply the mind of Christ to it, it turns everything right side up. That's why we have to process everything through prayer, because when we process everything through prayer, it turns our reality the way that God sees it and the way he designed it to be. And so whenever our focus is off, then our reality is off as well. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We ain't even got to the notes yet, y'all. God help us. Point number one is this. How you behold dictates how you behave. How I view something determines how I behave about something. How I behold Jesus determines how I behave around Jesus. Another way of putting this is the Jesus that I see is the Jesus that I get. If the Jesus that I see is limited to my current circumstance, season, situation, then the outcome of that Jesus is in fact limited. If the Jesus that I see is unlimited in his ability to do whatever he desires to do when he desires to do it, how he wants to do it, then the outcome is unlimited. But the Jesus that I see determines the Jesus that I get. He says, by your faith, you are made whole. Do you notice that every time Jesus wanted to do something supernatural, he did it in partnership with our faith. He could have forced blessings and miracles on people, but he wanted to partner with them because it's our faith that makes us whole. Hear me, family. You don't need the faith to finish. You just need the faith to start. And if you can fix your focus on what he desires to do, then you can be in partnership with him to see it through. So how I behold determines how I behave. If I don't see value in my life, I don't behave like I have value in my life. And when I don't behave like I have value in my life, I put myself around people who also don't have value in theirs. And a person that has nothing to lose don't mind helping you lose everything. I'm just talking. Can we just talk for a second? So how I behold determines how I behave. Hear me. There is both a king and a fool in every man. There is both a queen and a fool in every woman. The one that I talk to is the one that normally responds. 
if I talk to the king in me, the king responds. If I talk to the fool in me, the fool responds. Because how I behold determines how I behave. Paul is telling us, listen, you need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. You need to have your mind set to heavenly things. It's not about what you possess here on earth because all of those things eventually will fade away. How come as society and culture, we have made it our uh, uh, desire to feed the one thing we can't take with us into eternity? That's our flesh. And so we are consumed with what we put in our body. We're consumed with what we eat. We're consumed with what we drink. We're consumed with what we drive. We're consumed with the house that we go into. And we forget to nourish our spirit and our soul. And the one thing we can't take with us into eternity, we spend the majority of our lives serving. But I believe today I'm in the right place with a group of people that have their mind made up. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so I have to have the perspective that always positions me in proximity of what God desires for me. How I perceive determines how I receive. If I can't see it, then I can't receive it. That's why Mufasa told Simba, Simba. As far as you can see. Y'all ain't talking to me this morning. The kingdom belongs to you. Hear me, family. The boundaries to your blessing is determined by the vision you have to see it. And so I have to fix my focus. Faith gives you the ability to look at the same thing other people are looking at and see something different. Faith gives you the ability to look at what everyone else is looking at, to see what everyone else is seeing, and look at something different. If we're not careful... We will develop what I call spiritual blind spots. You know the danger in blind spots. Blind spots let you look, but they don't let you see. And in and, and certain seasons of our life, we need to have people positioned that have a sidewalk perspective. That tells us what's ahead. That tells us what's on the way. That tells us what, what, where we need to be. That's why you need to be connected and plugged into church. Right here. You can't just come and leave. No, no, you need to be a contributor because when you contribute, God makes sure there's people that have a sidewalk perspective in your life that tell you, look out, this is going to happen. Look out, this is on the way. Look out, this is how you prepare yourself. You need someone that has a sidewalk perspective to help you see the blind spots that you cannot see. That's why Paul says, I don't claim that I have already succeeded or become a professional at this here journey of faith. I, I need someone to help me, assist me, walk with me, talk to me, tell me what I am missing so that I can be who God desires for me 
to be. The second thing I believe Paul is telling us in this passage of scripture, you have to remember to forget. I know that sounds crazy. But in order for you to advance in faith, you have to remember to forget. I call it selective memory. My six-year-old son, Maxwell, has selective memory. <laughs> Me and my wife, Jane, we can tell him to do something. Hey, we want you to go clean up your room. Ten minutes goes by, I go upstairs to his room. What are you doing, son? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> selective memory. In order for you to advance in your journey of faith, you have to have selective memory. There's two things that you have to forget. The two things that you have to forget are your failures and your successes. Your, 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 your successes are great, but your successors, your, your, your success are only markers that you now have to surpass to get to where God is taking you. If you keep reliving old success, you'll never accomplish new success. Do you know success is one of the greatest risks God takes on us? Because the areas that we define as successful typically are the same areas we don't incorporate Jesus in as much as we used to. So when we get successful in our entrepreneurial endeavors or we get successful in our investments or we get successful in the dreams and in the visions that God gave us, we have a tendency of not including him as much as we used to. So what we must do is have selective memory. God, I'm grateful for what I've seen, but, but I, I know there's more. God, I'm so, I'm so humbled by what you've allowed me to achieve, but I believe there's more. He, his word says that he desires to take us from faith to faith and glory to glory. Hear me, family. Glory does not look good on you. It looks good on him. Victory looks good on you. So when we give him glory, he gives you victory. Y'all not talking to me this morning. When we give him glory, he gives us victory. He doesn't promise to give you glory. He made you to give him glory. He gives you victory. And so in order for us to steward the victory that he gives us, we have to continue to forget our successes. This is why any success that I receive that I don't turn back into praise eventually turns into pride. So I have to forget what I used to be successful at to fix my focus on what God has allowed me to steward in this season. I cannot appropriately move forward if I'm constantly looking through the rearview mirror. I'll crash into where I'm going. And I also have to forget my failures. Because failures become prisons. To those who lack the faith to see where they're going. Your failures have a way of screaming at you. Reminding you of who you're not. Reminding you of your weaknesses. 
reminding you of everything that you did wrong. But I'm so glad that God does not speak to me through the lens of my failures. You ever thought it was strange that the enemy knows your name, but he always calls you by your failure? And God knows your failures, but he always calls you by name. In order for me to advance and keep my focus fixed on those things that are heavenly minded and those things that are above, I have to remember to forget. Paul says it this way, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. It's behind you for a reason. But you will keep tripping over it if you keep going back to what was once behind you. Forgetting the former things. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. See, can you see what I am doing? Can you see what I desire to do? Can you see? Because if you can see what God is doing, you can receive what God is doing. Sight is the ability to see. But when God is saying see, he's not talking about your physical ability. He's talking about your spiritual ability, which better suits the word vision. Sight is the ability to see, but vision is the ability to see what's possible. So God desires that we have something called foresight. What is foresight? Foresight is the ability to see more before. And every successful person sees things twice. Your pastors will tell you this. There's a common thread in the people that we have an opportunity to walk with that are, by men's standards, successful. They always see things twice. They see things before it happens. And then they see things when it happens. So in order for me to appropriately break it down for you, you have to see it before you see it in order to see it. Did you hear what I said? You have to see it before you see it in order to see it. You will never see it if you don't see it. You will never behold if you don't see it here first. You'll never receive if you don't see it first. That's why in every situation, God always paints a picture for us first before he allows us to go into a new season. He always gives us a glimpse of where we're going before we go there because he wants us to behold and see before we walk into it. That's why he asked Abraham to go outside of his tent, look up to the stars. Can you see how many stars are up there? Because if you can see it, then you can receive it. If you can look down to the sand and see how many grain of sand is, then you can see how I desire to bless you. God always talks to us in the form of images. 
because he desires for us to have a picture of where we're going because it's the picture of where we're going that drives us beyond the pain of what it takes to get there. Some of you have a mental picture. That's why you work the way that you work. That's why you serve the way that you serve. A person with no picture is a person without no destiny. And so I have to remember to forget. Point number three is this. I said it before, but I want to break it down to you a little bit deeper. The extent of your vision is the boundary of your blessings. Paul says, but this one thing I do, straining towards what is ahead, I press towards the mark. You have to have a goal. You have to have a marker that reminds you of why you do what you do. One of the things that I've learned in this life is those who assume that they will win never prepare to win. Goals decide what you learn. But it's humility that decides how fast you learn it. You can't assume that you are already winning. You have to stay hungry enough to put in the work to win in every season. How many of you have ever seen the last dance? Last dance, last dance. How many know what I'm talking about? Okay. 2020, one of the greatest docuseries of all time came out about Michael Jordan. How many know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know? Google it. I promise it's going to bless you. I don't know who y'all goat is, but Jordan is my goat. If y'all say otherwise, it tell me when y'all were born, okay? There is no debate. Jordan is that man, okay? The whole team knew he was going to get the ball, and they still couldn't stop him. You knew he won't go past it. You knew he was going to try to score, and they still couldn't stop him. Throughout this documentary, though, I learned something. Although Jordan knew he was great, he practiced his greatness every single day. Hear me, family. You are born great. You are born victorious. You are born a winner. But you have to practice your greatness every single day of your life. Because if you don't practice at what you are great at, what you are great at, You will no longer be great at. And so in order for me to be who God desires for me to be, I have to remind myself that there is a goal that surpasses where I am. Your goals identify who you need in your life. Your goals identify who needs to leave your life. Let me, let me just pause right here and say this. When God wants to bless you, he sends people. When the enemy wants to curse you, he sends people. And some of you have surrounded yourself with people who don't see where you're going. And because they don't see where you're going, they'll delay you from getting there. That's another message for another time. But the extent of your vision is the boundary of your blessing. 
First Corinthians chapter nine, verse 24, scripture says, do you not know that in a race, all of the runners run? Everybody is running after something. What are you running after? Everyone that is ever born runs, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize that God has for you to win. You need a target to aim at. You need a goal to go after. You need something in front of you to continue to push you through the pain that you may be enduring right now so that you don't settle for where you are. People often say the opposite of courage is being a coward. I would push back on that and say the opposite of courage is being comfortable. Some of you have settled for a life far less than what God desires for you to settle for. Some of you have settled for a reality that God never envisioned for you. Some of you have settled and God is asking you today, can you fix your focus to see what I see for you so that you can be who I called you? To be not only does God judge you based off of what you do, God judges you based off of what he told you to do. And some of us have settled for a life that's far less than what he told us we could achieve and go after. So our goal should be a God-sized goal because our focus is fixed on him. The fourth thing I believe Paul teaches us is that we have to fight to the finish. Other passages, they they say that this is the good fight of faith. Oh, it's a fight. Every single day of your life, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight for your destiny. You're going to have to fight for your future. You're going to have to fight for your kids. You're going to have to fight for your grandkids. You're going to have to fight for that dream, that vision that God has given you. But hear me, family, it is a good fight. How do I know it's a good fight? Because God gave it to me. And anything worth fighting for is worth fighting to keep. So you can always tell what God gave you by your hunger to fight for. Because when it comes from him and it's a God-sized dream, a God-sized vision, a God-sized destiny, you don't mind fighting for it because it's bigger than your current reality. When there's something that you have given yourself, we have a tendency to not fight for it the same way that we would if God gave it to us. You got to fight for your mind. You got to fight for your decisions. You got to fight for your ideas. And you have to decide that your destiny is going to thank the faith you had today. Here's why, family. 
When we are born, we're born looking like our parents, but we die looking like our decisions. I refuse to die looking like the old decisions I used to make. No, my focus is fixed on Jesus. And I have my mind made up that I will thank myself today when I'm standing in my tomorrow. So I have to fight. And there's some of you listening to me right now. You, you've gotten tired. You've gotten frustrated. You, you, you're ready to throw in the towel. And I'm telling you, fix your eyes on Jesus. Oh, I love the powerful words that say, I look to the hills from which cometh my help. My, my eyes are fixed on things upward. My eyes are fixed on higher ground because my help comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from people. It doesn't come from things. It doesn't come from possessions. It doesn't, it doesn't come from, 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 from anything else except from the Lord. So my, my eyes are fixed. Today, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you've been listening to me and you know that your focus has been broken, you've taken your eyes off Jesus, you desperately need to put them back on him. You want to walk with him. Maybe you never received salvation before to do so, or maybe at some point in your life you did, but life has gotten in the way and you need to reestablish that today. I want you to lift those hands, lift those hands, stretch that hand, stretch that hand. I see those hands. I see them. 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 Just hold it high for a second. Hold that hand high. Hold that hand high. I want everybody to pray this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to change my eyes so that I can see you differently than I've seen you before. Today, I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I desire to be redeemed by your grace and your mercy in Jesus' name. So I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that I am saved, redeemed, and restored by the blood of Jesus. Amen.